Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Seeds and Weeds podcast brought to you by Small House Farm. Join us as we talk with gardeners, foragers, herbalists, chefs, and community activists to explore the many ways that plants impact our cultures and cuisines, our history, and our future. I'm your host, Bevan Cohen, and this is Seeds and Weeds. Howdy, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to be hanging out with Tina Sams for a round of five questions. You might already know Tina. She is the founder and editor of The Essential Herbal Magazine, which happens to be the magazine that published my very first article. Um, Many years ago, I wrote an article about my love affair with stinging nettles, and Tina was kind enough to publish it in her magazine, which was a pretty big deal for me. And now you know to think about it. I spent so much of my time writing. I've published 10 books, dozens of articles, and it all started with The Essential Herbal Magazine. So, I'm extra excited to uh, have Tina on the show with us today. Uh, she's going to be joining us for a special herbal edition of Five Questions. And we got into some really great conversations. We talk about her early days running an herb shop at a Renaissance festival, growing Jerusalem artichokes, horseradish. We dig into the International Herb Association's Herb of the Year book. And she even shares her go-to herbal tea recipe for managing stress. So uh, it was a super fun conversation. Heather and I just got back from a quick little trip uh, that we took with the boys. We went and spent the weekend down in Chicago. Uh, we had a good time. We went to Andy's Jazz Club downtown. That was a blast. Uh, the band was killer for sure. Uh, we stopped at a restaurant in Chinatown called Hinky. Now I was told the Hinky has the best dumplings in all of Chicago, so we had to go check it out. Right? It was super busy with a long wait for the tables, which you know I figured that was a good sign. And uh, were they the best dumplings in Chicago? It's hard to say. They were the only dumplings that I've ever had in Chicago. But I will say they were possibly the best dumplings I've ever had anywhere. So definitely worth the wait. Uh, they were delicious. Uh, while we were gone, we missed uh, an amazing snowstorm. There probably at least 10 inches of snow came down here at Small House. Uh, so we had to dig out first thing when we got home. We couldn't even get our car in the driveway. We had <laughs> we had to dig out the driveway just to get the car in uh, when we got home. Some first big snowfall of the winter here for us and I'm already ready for spring um, for sure. Uh, we got our big seed swap coming up at the end of February so I'm really looking forward to that. You know the seed swap means that spring is coming. So pretty soon we're going to be out there tapping our maple trees and making garden plans and I just cannot wait for it. Since the last episode we've had a handful of new people joining our Patreon community. Uh, that's really cool. You know, the support of our patrons is what allows us to keep doing this podcast. So that really means a lot to us. A uh, big thank you to our newest members, Darla Wong, Sam Cullen, Annette Bose, and Beautiful. We really appreciate the support of our members. If you would like to support the show or learn about all the membership benefits, you can find that link down in the show notes or over at our website, seedsandweedspodcast.com. Today's episode is also brought to you in part by our friends at Easy Swap Pots, who invite you to get in touch with your roots with their transplantable fabric pots. I tried Easy Swap Pots for the first time just this last season, and I have not looked back since. There is nothing better than their Easy Swap fabric liners. They really help the plants retain moisture far better than any like coconut fiber. Plus, they're handcrafted right in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and they're well made too. These Easy Swap fabric liners, they last for years. And right now, you can save 15% off your purchase by using the discount code SEEDS. That's S-E-E. DS seeds. So go visit easyswappots.com and use that coupon code. You can also find that link and the discount code down in the show notes. Okay, now let's get on to that interview. (music) 
Tina Sams has been working with herbs since 1993, but began learning about them at a very young age, as most country children do. Beginning with an herb shop at a local Renaissance fair, she, along with her sister Marianne, has dabbled in many different types of herbal businesses. She's published the Essential Herbal Magazine for more than 20 years and has written more than a dozen books about herbs. Tina enjoys all aspects of herbalism, including medicinal, culinary, growing, and crafting. Most recently, she's become captivated by plant dyes, plant prints, and all the many ways that botanicals can become art. Tina, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Hi, Bevan. I'm glad to be here. So you're the editor of Essential Herbal Magazine, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But before we get into it, I would love to hear more about your roots as an herbalist and how you got started on the journey. And is it true that you used to work at a Renaissance festival? Yes. (laughs) Um, Well, we're in a farming community here. And so people of my grandparents' age, and we lived with my grandparents when we were little, they were all farming people. And so it kind of goes hand in hand with herbs. Although nowadays it's sort of like, oh, those are weeds. But in those days, they actually used that stuff. So we grew up with that and um, it just kind of all fell together. And then we were invited to do an herb hut at the local Renaissance Festival. And it was probably the best time of my life. But it was also when we found out that we didn't know as much as we thought we did because the Society for Creative Anachronism, they are some serious people and they know their herbs. So it was it was a very interesting time. That's awesome. I, You know, we have a Renaissance Festival here in Michigan and I've been to it just as an attendee and it's, you know, fun to walk around and stuff. But I can't imagine working in one of the shops there. That would be so much fun. Oh, it's the best. Well, we sent our kids later, years later, and they worked for other people and they did not have as much fun as we did. Really? Yeah, well, we had our own, you know, we made the rules. So... <laughs> And they had to work for other people. So it wasn't as much fun for them. But so how did you go from working at a Renaissance Festival running an herb hut to the editor of the Essential Herbal Magazine? What's the journey there? Okay, so so we had the the Renaissance Fair and then that was 16 weeks. And my daughter was at a Waldorf school and uh, somebody there wanted some lavender or something in the, uh, for Christmas and couldn't find it locally. And so I had to dig stuff out of the Renaissance Fair stuff for And that was my sister and I, who is my sister is my partner in crime all through this. We discussed opening a full time shop because we realized there was a need. So we did that. But this was oh, the very early 90s. So uh, it wasn't really easy to get people to our shop. So we did everything we could. Like we had classes. We went out and did everything. Every t- we talked anywhere they asked us to talk. We went to every craft show that came along. I mean, we were really, and we had little kids and husbands. So uh, we did the shop and the Renaissance Fair for a couple of years. Then we did just the shop and then we burned out completely. My sister, we had started making soap and she took that and was a wholesale soap maker until retiring this year. And I took the newsletter that we had and turned it into the magazine. In 2002 was the first issue went out. So we started working on it in 2001, but uh, January, February 2002 was the first issue. And it's seasonal, bi-monthly. How often does it come out? It's every other month, although 2020, we started doing only digital. And in order to kind of lessen that sting, we started doing a, so it was every other month. And now we, in the months that we don't send out issues, we send a smaller issue, sort of like a little nugget. And um, people really like that. So now we're doing something every month. Oh, that's nice. 
guys. It's been a little bit hard for us to get into the groove with that, but we're there, I think. <laughs> is it is it still just you and your sister running it? Yeah, for a while. Well, honestly, we couldn't do it. It's really the um, contributors who do so much. I don't know how we could do it without them. So we're just kind of like a hub and they're the spokes and it all makes everything run. It's, it's such a good magazine. I, you know, I look oh, forward to you. it and I get the nuggets too. the, the, uh, and the other, the opposite months, the, the little emails that come out, I get those too. And they're, they're just awesome. I look forward to them for sure. I think, and, and I, I usually do puzzles like crossword puzzles and stuff. And I don't get a lot. We never get a lot of feedback about anything. It's just the way it's just the animal that it is but every now and then it's like man i really like those puzzles like oh really okay cool because <laughs> i'm gonna do them anyway now sometimes on the show we do a little segment that i call uh, five questions so i ask folks that come on it's the exact same five questions every time no follow-ups or anything and it's just a lot of fun because i can see different responses even though i'm asking the same questions everybody will say something completely different so we're going to do that today but it's going to be a little different i've tweaked it up a little bit this is going to be like a special herb edition of five questions. So are you ready to do it? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> All right. So the question number one, if you had to pick a favorite herb, what would it be? And what is your favorite way to work with it? Well, that changes every year pretty much because I choose one every year to work with. But overall, I would have to say elderberry um, because it keeps me healthy. And there are a hundred different ways you can use it. Generally speaking, I use it as a tincture because I'm lazy, but I like to make hard candy with it too, so that it's always handy. Really? Yeah. You know, like um, it's just, you boil it, you make a strong tea with the berries, you know, the juice. And then let's say you have a cup of the juice, then you add three cups of sugar, which I know, sugar, blah, blah, blah. And like a quarter cup of k syrup, and then you boil it to 300 to hard crack. And then you either shape it or you just lay it out in a sheet and then break it into pieces. Do you ever work with the elderflowers? Yes, I do, but not as much for some reason. I don't know why, because they're really good too. I like to make elderflower tea. And for me, it's just a lot easier to harvest the flowers. The window for harvesting the berries is so short that I always seem to, that time of year, I'm always so busy and I, I miss it every time. Well, get a golden, get a golden leafed variety because they're almost a month early. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and it fools the insects that go after the regular ones too. So mm, That's why I like doing the show right here. Tips from the pros. That's awesome. All right, next question. As an herbalist, uh, I'm sure that you make a lot of your own health and beauty products at home. So could you share with us something new and exciting that you've recently made? Well, honestly, I can't because my sister, I work with her on the soap thing and we do all kinds of stuff, but it's a wholesale company. So it's re repetitious, but I'm taking over the retail line of that. So I will be, but I haven't yet. You know, I can relate to that. Uh, you know, we sell products through our website at Small House Farm and, uh, you know, it's been pretty much the same line of products mm -hmm. for a multitude of years. So it's, we pretty much just crank out over and over repetitious, the same thing, but we just started doing a, uh, a Patreon a seasonal package that we send out to folks that members of our Patreon community. So we've been able to make all these new and different things. It really just kind of spices things up doing something different. It keeps you interested in what you're doing. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm so looking forward to doing different, different soaps and different facials and different, because we do a lot of that stuff and baths and stuff like that. I'm really looking forward to playing around with that. So this might be an interesting question then for number three. Um, I was going to ask, if you could share a recent challenge or a failure that you've experienced in the apothecary, maybe when you're making a product, but more importantly, the lesson that you could learn from it. Okay. Um, yes, I can. I, I'm having an issue with my one eyelid uh, post-surgery and I can't, I have tried 
everything, everything. So right now I'm, I'm down to some hydrosols that I made and I'm using that and some tea bags, but I know that I have reached the point where I need to see a doctor about it. I've been seeing eye doctors all along, but this is something different. And, and I think that it's important for us all to realize that sometimes we need to just see a physician. Sure. So um, that's a failure for me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the lesson that you've learned from it. Yeah. Yeah. That I can't always fix everything. <laughs> that's a hard lesson to learn for sure. Especially skin stuff. You know, I usually it, it's, it's really just a, an irritant, you know, and I can't, make it look normal. <laughs> so, I'm pretty frustrated by it. Yeah, that, that's a bummer. Um, all right. Well, for the next question, then what can we expect in an upcoming issue of the essential herbal that you are very excited about? In the next one, we're going to do a lot. Of course, we always go the, the January, February one. We always talk about herb of the year. And this year it's yarrow and Christine Brown's covering that. And we'll have something on that. Hopefully every issue. We're also going to talk about Jerusalem artichokes. Um, Becky Bailey did a, an article on it. And, and Susanna Reppert is going to send us a recipe that she shared at a potluck last year. And I have a recipe and it's kind of, I really like it when different herbalists contribute to the same thing. Yeah. Um, I got a couple of stories that are going to attach to what you're saying here. So a Jerusalem artichokes, I got a handful mm -hmm. of those at a seed swap, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago now. And I kind of just planted them in an off spot, just out of the way over here. And oh, you know, if they grow, they grow great. And they have like taken over. I mean, and I harvest them every fall. I pull them up. They're delicious. I love, I love to cook them and eat them, but I cannot get control of them. They have just spread like crazy. Um, they have what a prolific food plant that that is. Yes. Yes, they, they are. I had a different experience with them in my backyard and I have no idea why, because everything, I have so many food plants in my backyard. It's just, I can eat from April till I'm still eating persimmons, but I cannot get Jerusalem artichoke. I think it might be too wet where I planted them, but I'm not sure. I think it's so great to be able to walk out in the yard and just like, hmm, I think I'll have this today or whatever. And it's nice, you know, I have a, tons of berries and fruits, but, you know, I have fewer, shall we call them savories. And then you mentioned the herb of the yearbook. So Heather, my wife, she actually uh, lays out the Herb of the Year book for the Herb Society of the International Herb Association. It's such a cool program. And like you said about having a multitude of herbalists writing about the same topic, that's how this book is, right? All these different perspectives about yarrow and experiences and different uses. And they, each one of those books is just such a wealth of knowledge. They're so cool. I got all of them, every one of them. Well, you know, I forget, I don't know if it was 2008 or 2009, I forget now, but they had horseradish. And that was the year that I really noticed how much I personally learn from the herb of the year because, you know, I didn't really give horseradish too much thought. A lot of it is grown around here. It was like, okay, sure, horseradish. But then I had to write the article because none came in. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it, you know, I went down to our market and I interviewed somebody who was a third generation horseradish guy. And, it, you know, I just learned so much about it. And it was because of that program. And then unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how they felt about it, my readers also had to learn about it. So it, it kind of is incredible. The other thing is, you know, I've been doing a lot of eco dyeing with uh, silken plants and, and horseradish leaves really die beautifully. So that's just an aside, but they really come out nice. And they're such, because the early leaves have that really funky little, so many fingers mm -hmm. on them. And uh <laughs> 
say that looked pretty weird. Is it a green dye that it makes? No, they they're uh, golden mustard kind of. Wow, which is different. Yeah, it's different. I mean, and and what I get is the impression of the leaf in that color, and also. Also, those one of the things I learned while doing that article is if you before they're about eight inches high, the leaves chopped up with almost anything are delicious and like stir fried or put in with roasts or anything like that. Really good. They got a little bite to them. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, that's nice because especially with the new horseradish plant, it takes a while to establish a good root to harvest, but you got leaves right off the first year. That's right. Yep. All right. So for five questions, question number five. What is the project that you are not involved, but you're really excited about it? So who's your shout out? So uh, locally, pretty locally, we have, okay, Black Walnut Botanical Conference. And Amy Henderson is the person putting that together. The feeling at these conferences is so inclusive and she keeps them small. It's the most fun at a conference. Then there's also the Pennsylvania Tea Festival, which I think Black Walnut is in August and the Pennsylvania Tea Festival is the end of September. And they're both really worthwhile things to do. I'm going to put links to both of those events in the show notes so everybody could check that out because that's that's pretty cool. I haven't been to either of those events, so I'm going to try to put that. You should. I should. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely should. It sounds super fun, especially yeah. the Tea Fest. I mean, that's right up my alley. So I just love it. I We we do vend there. And we vend at both of them and teach at Black Walnut, but um, they both make me feel good. That's all I can say about it, you know. Well, there's something to be said about those smaller events, too. You know, it's a little bit more personal. You really have a chance to connect with everybody. Yes. You, you really meet people and get to know them a little bit. Now, I do have one more question. Uh, you published a book called Herbal Medicine for Emotional Healing, and I absolutely love it. I've got it right here on my bookshelf. It's fantastic. Would you be able to share with us a short herbal recipe of some sort that folks might be able to use that our listeners at home when they're feeling a little stressed or overwhelmed? Absolutely. My favorite thing that I do, and I I learned this from really stressful times in my life, but I still keep it around all the time and use it all the time, is um, a combination of holy basil, which is also known as Tulsi, and mimosa, albizia, julie brucin, equal parts. And you can either use it as a tea or a tincture or, or even holy basil alone, that is an adaptogen and it really helps you work with stress and get through it. And I kind of feel like it should be in the water supply. When you combine it with mimosa, it what I have found that is that it takes that, picks that black cloud up, moves it off to the side. I mean, you can still see it. It's still there, but you can think more clearly and not be in the middle of it. So that's my recommendation. I really think that that combination is great. I am with you on that. I absolutely love holy basil. One year, I was so obsessed with it. I grew a 65-foot row in our garden. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, that's a little much. It was a little much. Um, Can you have too much? I don't know. I don't know. I had had this exact same conversation with Heather that year. Um, And it turns out, no, you can't have too much. It was just the right amount. It turns out that's what we needed. And that's why we grew it, I guess, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. And I have, I just transplanted... Uh, well, my brother-in-law did, actually. I shouldn't say I did it, but um, a dozen mimosa trees, like right outside my, this 
side yard so that I can watch. And when they flower, I can pick those to tincture. And then I have the bark at, you know, in fall. So I'm, I'm set. And what's the flavor of those flowers? Um, Mild. It's very mild. They smell like, um, I couldn't have really put it, my finger on it. So somebody said that's peach and it does, they do smell kind of like uh, floral peach, but it's very mild. You know, you mix it in with the holy basil and that's what you're tasting is the holy basil, but it really, it makes a huge difference to mix them together. Tina, for folks that want to stay connected with you after they listen to this and maybe subscribe to the Essential Herbal Magazine, what is the link that they're going to need? They're going to need um, www.essentialherbal.com. Fantastic. And I'm going to put that down in the show notes, too, so folks can click right through. Tina, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. That was totally awesome. Thanks, Bevan. It was good to be here. What do you know? Another episode has come and gone. Thanks again to Tina Sams for being our guest today and to all of you for spending some time with us. The Seeds and Weeds podcast is edited and produced by all of us here at Small House Farm. And if you'd like to support the show, you can always join our community on Patreon. You can find that link and many more at seedsandweedspodcast.com. The music we're enjoying right now is called Street Food by Alex Productions. I'm Bevan Cohen, and we'll see you next time. Howdy friends, Bevan here. You know, the Seeds and Weeds podcast is made possible in part by Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company, rareseeds.com. They're America's top source for rare and heirloom varieties from around the world, and they're publisher of the Whole Seed Catalog. Their 2024 catalog is chocked full of heirloom goodness, new varieties, recipes, stories, and gorgeous photographs. You can order yours now at rareseeds.com.